Hello and welcome everyone to the American Scouser podcast. I am Galley hosting here from Massachusetts uh, on this Thursday evening and it is cold. And when I mean cold, I mean bitter cold, freezing cold, like move the bleep out of this area cold. That's how cold it is here. Um, we'll drop it down next and say hi to Scott making his third appearance here on a Thursday with us. How are we doing, Scott? I'm doing well. It's not quite as cold as uh, where you are. It's a, a measly uh, 45 degrees out over here. So uh, shorts still weather pretty, for you, right? Still pretty cold for North Carolina. That's it's right. basically spring and happiness for the miserable people <laughs> up here in the Northeast. So that takes us out to sunny California to check in with our friend Kazi. David Cosgrove, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. All good, man. Yeah, how are you? Doing well, doing well. For those of you who don't know, David's been with us in the past a few times. He's uh, checking back in with us here tonight. And David, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, let the listeners know exactly who you are and what's about. Yeah, I go by Cozzy, but um, yeah, I'm from Liverpool. You probably guessed that. Um, so if you can't understand me, well, you know, we're one of them. Uh, but yeah, I live in California. I've been out here for a few years. It's just amazingly 63 degrees right now. Oh. So... Just a, you know, it's sometimes maybe jacket on, jacket off, but you know, usually shorts, which is always the nice. I would, way, I would like yeah. to say, so you have the warmest time, but you're the only person in a sweatshirt where from us three right now. I, I know, I know what it is. <laughs> I, I, you know what it is. I don't know. I haven't got a clue why I'm wearing it. To be honest, I'm maybe trying to look cool, done, trying to represent the Liverpool. Should have got like lava on and things. I don't know, but yeah. I love it. Well, well, thank you for coming in. Thank you for joining us tonight. Um, Iris Jamie couldn't make it this evening, and uh, we're delighted to have Kazi filling in for us here tonight. So thank you very much. We are going to jump right into it. And I thought, you know, where we would start tonight actually is kind of where we talked a little bit last Thursday. But seeing that we have an actual uh, Liverpoolian here on the podcast, I didn't think we could uh, start a shot to Wembley and not at least get uh, Kazi's thoughts here on what it means to you as a supporter to, you know, see the club back in a, a domestic cup final and, you know, the excitement it brings to you and what you're hoping to see come the end of February from our lads. I mean, it's just massive. It, it really is. And I mean, you look at it, you know, I, and I keep saying this to people, I think this, this side deserves all of the trophies. If this sides go on and Klopp leaves in three years and only wins two trophies, well, two major trophies, at least. You know, we can actually sit there and go, well, you've kind of underachieved, really, for the quality we have. You know, only one team can win the league and only one team can win the Champions League. Um, so why can't we go out and try and win the others? Um, it, it kind of frustrates me, really, when this kind of trophy gets disrespected a little bit. You know, when it kind of gets knocked to the side. Liverpool are the record holders of this trophy. You know, our former managers in the past and our successful side used to want to win this trophy all the time. I think he won it four times on the bounce. In the 80s, it's, you know, and Man City have drawn level with us. We should want to pull away from City again and get that extra one. So, really pleased. 
you know, really, really happy. And, and with a season which kind of looked like it was falling off a little bit in the middle of December, and we were all worried about the lads going away to get to a cup final, you know, still be in the Champions League, of course. We're still in the FA Cup. For me, we're still too far away in the league. But you see City dropping points then, you know, it's all, you know, pedal to the metal kind of thing. And why not try and win it now we're here? Yeah, I love it. And I, I feel the exact same way. You know, I when I started first following this club really, you know, day in and day out and being able to actually watch every match, which is probably about 10, 15 years ago when games were actually available here stateside for sure. Um, I really, like, got drawn into the cup runs because at that time we were a club that that was our admiration, right? When we made the deep run and Douglas was the manager and we played at Cardiff, it, you know, in, in their stadium at in Wales, I was like, this is brilliant. Like, this is great. I can understand why people fall in love with this sport and why, because a club that can't win can still win something. But the idea that then once we started winning, we decided we no longer cared about winning these little things anymore. It never made any sense to me. But then again, you know, I've talked about it on this podcast, you know, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I went the first 40 years of my life or 35 <laughs> years of my life where they were the biggest losers on the planet and we were the laughing stock of everything. And then we got good for five years and stuck out our chest and acted like winning a World Series wasn't that important a couple of years ago when it happened. And I'm trying to remind people, like, you know, just because the Patriots and Tom Brady ruined this for all you young sports fans, we're supposed to be miserable fucking people in the cold. That's who we are. And, and I'm happy to say, I can still pull that off on January 27th, even after all these wins. Um, but Scott, for your sake, we talked a lot about your feelings about getting to the cup. How about Jurgen's decision and announcement that Kelleher will be starting in the final? I, what is I your think, take on that? I think it's everything. I, I, I think it's a wonderful feat, first of all, for Kelleher to, to be shown the trust to actually be put in in that number one spot for, for a cup final, you know, when we win the cup and, you know, you lose, no one remembers our, our run. I, I think it, it's a vital step for a 23 year old to be taking, but also it, it shows that progression of to, to go from the Academy to playing several cup games, you know, uh, it kind of in the outskirts of the first squad to all of a sudden being given that trust to say, Hey, you're the guy now. Even if it's just for that final, he's the guy. For those 90 minutes, for hopefully just 90 minutes, hopefully not longer than that, he is he is our guy, right? And for for that sort of trust to be put in in an academy product is the Liverpool way, right? You know, through the years, we we see these academy products get thrown into the fire, and those that stick stick for a lifetime. And, and it's definitely uh all credit to Kelleher's attributes and his, his quality because he deserves it. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw this one over to you, Kazi, and then I'm going to give my uh, opinion. And I, and I don't even know if we've actually in our discord uh, channel have actually had this conversation. I know we were both a little surprised with some of the start um, in the second leg against Arsenal in the semifinal, starting a 17 year old uh, over senior fit players. But I will say the, this one's a little interesting, and I have my own take on, you know, what you do in the final. But I'd like to get your side on uh, what you think about Klopp's decision, one. And two, the actual reasoning that he had to tell us all a month and a half in advance. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a big believer in playing your best side in a final. Um, but he hasn't done anything to let you down when he has came in. He hasn't done anything to throw that doubt. The one thing I will say, he's better on penalties than Ali. And I'll argue with anyone. He really is better on penalties than Ali. I think Ali saved maybe one for us. I think Chelsea away. Jorginho, I think. Thiago's debut. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I feel like Kelleher's probably say four or five now in shootouts in the last two, three years. So, I mean, it's brave. But what you've got to do with these backup players sometimes, and, you know, especially a keeper, you've got to tell them when they're playing next. You've got to go, that's your game. That one's yours. I've, you know, I read a lot of things about older players when they're coming to the end of the career and they're trying to manage themselves. But the manager, Alex Ferguson, was the best of players like Ryan Giggs and stuff. He used to tell Giggs, you're starting that game in three weeks. That guaranteed. So he used to let his body prepare himself to go, okay, I'm 39, 38, I know I'm not going to be... So I'm going to go and hell for leather this week. I can kind of take it easy, go to the gym. That's my training and get yourself ready. So you've got to give these guys who are out the side, I think, to tell them you're in that game. That's your start. That That's your one. You know, and I think that I think Liverpool do sometimes do it with Origi. I think he does look at Origi sometimes and goes, that's your start, if you're fit. That's your one. And I think he has done it with Kelleher. It's, it's brave. It's a bold choice. But, again, he's done nothing to let us down. In effect, for me personally, I'd always go with Ali anyway because I think it's your best side and win the trophy and kind of go from there. But then also, if Liverpool want a very secure, brilliant backup goalkeeper, he's not going to be knocking at the manager's door in the summer and going, hey, I can go and play for 14 other Premier League sides or 15 other Premier League sides and be their number one, then they kind of have to do these kind of things for them. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I I, uh, I was not a big fan of some of the lineup moves in the Arsenal match, especially just starting the 17-year-old. Though he played pretty well. He was kind of anonymous, but he didn't do anything to hurt himself. Um, you know, when he came off the pitch, I think he knew, like, I won the award today. I got to start in the League Cup semifinal, and I'm 17. Kelleher's the opposite. I think just to Kazi's point and Scott, he's made every moment he's been given a chance since he actually put on the shirt jersey for the first time, he's stepped up and done well. And I think playing as well as he did at Chelsea as well, um, there's nothing he could do in either of those goals. It was terrible defending, you know, just it was a nice finish by Pulisic, but it was also just shoddy, shoddy defending. They put him in bad spots. <laughs> yeah. And he still played well in that match and made big saves. You know, we should have lost that match. We talked about that. That was a, a draw that, you know, we stole with a lead twice, which is crazy. Do nothing lead and you steal a point. Um, just kind of shows the up and down nature we were playing. And I think the fact that he did that in the Prem, twice he's filled in for Ali on a whim in the Prem, and he's gotten clean sheets and wins or points in both. And I think what he's done, I think Klopp had to show some faith. And I keep saying – I never believe he'll be the number one for Liverpool, not because he's not good enough, but because I think Allison has eight to ten great years left in him and he's going to be here for them. And we're going to get a fee someday. And part of the reason we're going to get probably a hefty fee for a really quality international level keeper is because he's going to win some trophies and get some big moments. And I think Klopp is rewarding him now. And I think this is a huge difference from having Adrian as your number two <laughs> or having a legitimate international as your number two. So um, scary that all three of us agree, other than the fact that I think me and Kazi would like to still start our best 11, mm-hmm. but I think we understand why we have to start this young man um, in this next match coming up. So that's exciting. Can't wait to get to the League Cup final. Obviously, we are competing in the league, and uh, Kazi touched on it earlier. It is it is touch and go, right? The 
folks, the good folks at USA, and I only say USA because, you know, they stole NBC out from under us because <laughs> clearly in America couldn't post its own channel on Saturday mornings. We had to go to USA. And they keep reminding us that we are in a title race, right? So anytime I think of that, it just kind of makes me laugh. And then I think we should probably look at that table. So here's that top half of the table. Um, City is still clearly out in front. We have a couple games in hand, obviously, plus the head-to-head -head matchup. If you were putting yourself out there right now, Kazi, mm -hmm. what is it going to take for Liverpool to truly have a title opportunity come May? Um, I more from a city standpoint, obviously, because I think we all know a lot of this has to dictate on how that, how it yeah. transpires with City. It's probably ten injuries, maybe twelve. Um, <laughs> for City. I mean, I, this is. Let's look at it right. The table's up right now. We're nine points off. We've got this game in hand. You win your game in hand. You're six points off, but you're not six points. You're three games because you have a better goal difference. So you can win your two games and gain six points. They might lose two, but they're still ahead. Because of the goal difference. Yes, of course, it's not a lot, but it's still a point. Technically, it's still a point that they are ahead. So technically, you want them to drop point you want them to drop points in three games. Of course, Liverpool have got to play them. I understand that, right? We're asking Man City probably to lose four, five in the next 17 games for them, or 16 games, or whatever it is left. Have they, when, I don't think they've done that since Pep's first season, five years ago. They had a slip-up on the weekend, and let's get it right. They battered Southampton, especially in the second half. They played well. Southampton were very lucky to get a draw. And Liverpool, you're asking Liverpool to go perfect. Liverpool have to go perfect to have a chance, in my opinion. I just, I don't see it. And it's not that, I don't believe, I don't believe this Liverpool side can go perfect anymore. But I also don't believe this, it's this City side will drop 10 points towards the end of the season. I think the, I also think the international breaks kind of come at the right time for them. Let them go away. Get that Southampton results out. I know people go, oh, we can want to play straight again to right the wrong. I think on this one, I think they can go away, then come back and go, that's forgotten about now. That's your last one. That's your only, basically, your only drop. This, I think, that, is that the first time they dropped points in 12 games? I think. I think more. I think it was 14 on the bounce. Come on. Liverpool, Liverpool, this Liverpool side, two years ago, I'd half fancy it, but not this Liverpool side. We can see far too many goals for the, this Liverpool side to think about going perfect again. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 you know, Sparky Parky jumps in here with City Collapses is the only way. You know, I'll add the, the forum, but, and it, it really is, it's the only way. Because let's be honest, if they don't have an absolute collapse, it, it, we're not going to go perfect. I mean, we, we drop points against clubs like Brentford and Brighton and clubs like that all the time. I mean, we, we were hanging on against Crystal Palace after outplaying them and up 2-0 like it should have been goodnight the lights. And it wasn't. And as soon as we conceded, we knew that there was a chance that, that it was game on. And, and you know, without the penalty, who knows if we hold on or we don't end up with a draw in that match against Palace. And, that, you know, it's not hard for me to be a little bit critical because I feel like that is where we're at right now with this club. You know, they, they, they dropped a level somewhere defensively. They dropped a level of intensity. And these same guys that we gave the mentality monsters two years ago, we have to question why it is that they struggle with seeing out victories. Um, so, Scott, 
with the league the way that it is, what you're seeing at the top of the table, how do you see the second half playing out? And what is your opinion on the top four race overall? You know, we'll, we'll do this a little bit more of a broader scope as well. Um, and coming into that tight race, where do you see that going? I, I think that obviously Liverpool have quite the uphill climb to, to face initially. Just we have, we have what, 16 games left or, uh, yeah, 16 games left and we have a nine point differential. The, the fact that we're coming up against one of the best, historically best, uh, Premier League squads as a whole uh is is a mountain clan and I'm not just talking about a starting 11 I'm talking about Manchester City's ability to rotate four five six even seven players at a time from their squad and effectively not change their quality of play for for that luxury uh to be have week in week out for them is is a blessing for them obviously a, a billion dollar blessing for them but a blessing nonetheless and when when you look at our squad and and you see the fact that we are this close, obviously, it's kind of a testament to the quality that we have. But once you go beyond the starting 11, the, you know, the maybe top 12, 13 players of Liverpool, you see a, a drastic decline. And I think that is where ultimately that that race, you know, gets a whole lot tougher now. I'm a Liverpool fan. I'm going to believe I do think we have the the skill, the ability to make that, you know, differential a whole lot smaller to to get there and and hopefully, you know, win the league. But it's not just about us right now. We're 9 points back. We have a game in hand, but we're 9 points back. It's not just about how much how how well we play. You have to look at Manchester City. You have to look at other teams that we come up against. You know, this Manchester United team, this Chelsea team, West Ham, we have to play all of these teams again. And they're coming and and gunning for us just as much as we're gunning for Manchester City. And until teams look at Manchester City and believe, hey, we can get a point from them, which I don't see happening from a Brighton or I don't see happening from a Crystal Palace. They're not going up against Manchester City and believing in that that they really can get three points. Until they see that, this is going to be a very difficult uh, you know, battle for sure. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. And um Kathy, what about you overall on you know the the overall race for the top four? You know, it is I, I deliberately, you know, snip this little piece of the table and well, it's funny. I, I was about to grab it, and I wasn't going to include Wolves. And then I was like, wait a second. Wolves has a game or two in hand on everybody. They're right there. And I could argue, you know, Wolves only got one point in their first three games, and they outplayed all three teams that they played in those first three matches under Bruno Lodge. If they got any results there, they'd be firmly in this top four race, just like West Ham, and we'd all be talking about them as maybe the surprise of the season. Um, so I was like, you know what, we'll count them because how fun would it be if Wolves finished ahead of United? I mean, the Wolves are also losing the greatest player of all time, going to Barcelona. You know, the move that he deserves. <laughs> uh, We're going to get there, Kazi. Uh, Don't worry. We're not getting through a, we're not getting through a show without getting there. Uh, but no, listen, I mean, Wolves are fantastic. Liverpool were lucky to get a three off them. 
We played well that game, to be fair. We deserved the points, but we were still, they defended really well. I yep. mean, you know, looking at that table now, I'll get back to the race, but I always say to teams and fans need to hear this, draws kill seasons, not losses. Draws. Liverpool are the only side to lose two games in a season and not win the league. And that was in 08-09 when we drew 11, I believe. And then we're the only team in the history of football to lose one game in the league and not win it, which is when we finished on 97 points. So, and that's in the history of football. So the draws kill seasons and no six draws are killing us. But if you ask me right now, I do feel like it's United. I, I would have said Arsenal two, three games ago. I just felt, I, I really I, I really liked them, what they were doing. But then, I, I don't feel like they've got enough goals there still. I understand why they're looking at Calvert-Lewin. I get that signing massively. And if they can get that over the line before the window, that might change things. There's a lot of things right now about Everton. We're trying to wait till the summer. But money talks and £60 million right now for them or £25 million when they get relegated. Then, <laughs> you know, it's a tough call, really. But, yeah, so I'd, I'd probably say United and Chelsea, of course, still right now. I still think Chelsea got too much. The one that's kind of the, the sneaky one, I know what you're going to say, Gary, you're going to say Spurs because you think they're the best side of the top, the bo- uh, top six. But I just feel like... With United, with Ronaldo, I still think he'll get enough game winners in them, which will kind of get them over the line, really. Yeah, and and and, and you know me, Kazi, I've, I've been there, and I it's not as much I think they're the best squad or the best. I think the fact that they have, I do believe they have the best manager outside of the top three in the. I think they have the best manager outside of the top two, honestly. I think Conte is as good a manager as Tuchel. I, sure. I think basically. You know, if, you know, Ralph Ragnick hadn't managed the team in almost a decade, really. Not a successful one in almost eight years. Um, he builds teams, and he's doing a good job. You can see it with United. I saw it a little bit in the last match. I, I'm starting to feel like you are, too. I think if Bruno continues to – if they continue to get a turn out of Bruno and get more of the Bruno from last year and they have that playmaker, you're right. Um, Ronaldo will run into enough goals to see them to fourth place. Um I, I still come back to the fact that I believe that Harry Kane and Hunming Sung are the two best players on any team outside of Liverpool, Chelsea, uh, or Manchester City in the league. I, I genuinely believe that. I, I think Harry Kane and Hunming Sung are as good. I guess maybe Bruno, I guess, is probably up there. And maybe Rashford when he's on his coin, but he's not right now. I, I just have a hard time with a 37-year-old who's struggling to compete. Um, and I still feel like, you know, it's going to get ugly for United at some point just because it feels like that club still has that dark cloud. And that dark cloud really is Alex Ferguson. He's been hanging around since the day he showed up. (laughs) He brought them all those trophies, and it also brought all the angst and anxiety. And I like to believe it's exactly what's going to happen to all my friends here in New England when Bill Belichick leaves the Patriots. He's just going to leave and they're just going to watch like a misery of lifetime of freaking hell. And it's yeah. and they're going to earn every right of it. And I hope this game happens to United the rest of the way. Um, I, feel, I feel like with United, Alex Ferguson still leaves cardboard cutouts behind each door. So when they walk in, oh, he's still there. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think, with, I think with United, though, you have to, you have to look at, you know, Skill aside, right? You you can look at all of these teams fighting for this fourth spot, and and each one individually have quality players. Mm. But I I truly believe that the most important part of a professional player is their mentality, is their mentality and their desire and yeah. their ability to keep their heads in, in a game. And 
I just don't see that from any United player. And and the fact I believe that does come from a manager and, you know, obviously it's an anomaly, right? But that Spurs Leicester game, 2-1 down in the 95th yeah. minute and they come back to win 3-2. Yeah. That game, had it been played without Conte as their manager, ends 2-1. No doubt about it. it. It's the aggression and the desire and the focus and the mentality that comes from a manager brought down to their players, how they expect them to play. And honestly, you see that with Spurs, I think that Arsenal have it in them sometimes. Mm-hmm. United and West Ham, I, I don't really see. And and I think that's where those differences will come at, at the end of the table, honestly. The saddest part is we spent this whole little segment talking about all these clubs, right? We even gave Wolves a pub, right, a pop. We took a shot at Arsenal. We talked about, you know, mentioned everybody. And until Scott said West Ham didn't have a chance, we didn't even mention the team who's probably pushed above their weight and, and honestly, it's played better for 12 months than maybe any 12 months in the club's history, probably going back to like the 40s or 50s, um, when they were more competitive. And, and to be honest, I love the idea of David Moyes taking a team <laughs> United to the Champions League at United's expense. Like, there couldn't be anything sweeter than the idea of West Ham giving David Moyes enough time to let his project work and United giving <laughs> him 14 games when he got to get Fellaini as his mm. primary signing. So yeah. I mean, that's, like, that's the difference. Like one, you know, Alex Ferguson got Van Persie to win a title he didn't deserve. And Moyes got Fellaini. <laughs> yeah. I think the one thing about West Ham is the first thing is we all want to see West Ham versus Barcelona in the Europa League. Let's just please, no please, for the love of God, please put David Moyes against Barcelona. It's only <laughs> stuff that things dream of, in my opinion. Uh, and then they can just look back at everything going, I'm playing Barcelona. And, you know, you're playing Barnes or someone. But I think <laughs> I think the one thing with West Ham is, which I would be concerned about, is Antonio's fitness. I think because he does love a knock, he loves a knock, doesn't he? He loves him for a week, out for a month. That's what he is. He's in for a week, out for a month. And yeah. I think if you had his fitness and you were guaranteed him, Maybe my opinion would change a little bit, but I think not with his fitness issues. Because I do think he scores goals anyway. I still think he could do a job for most sides in the league, like off the bench and things like that for Liverpool, especially. I think he'll cause nightmares for people. So, but yeah, just this fitness worries me. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Kazi. I actually think to steal a, a little march from you there, I think if West Ham signed Dominic Calvert Lewin in the next week, they could legitimately not only challenge for a top four spot, they could legitimately go on and have a good chance to win the Europa League mm. and guarantee themselves. And if I were West Ham, I might be aiming for European glory right now, not just as my easiest qualification for Champions League, but for the same reason we were excited about a domestic cup. It's not, you know, old Upton Park. It never will be, right? But they deserve all of the credit for actually galvanizing and becoming a fan base in that Olympic bowl of a shitty stadium they have. They've actually created an atmosphere. And I will say it is fun to watch the hammers as a neutral on matches that don't matter because they are connected to their club. And there are certain supporters groups that you see, and it was disgusting when they ran on the pitch and they did some of those things. But oh, yeah. to Cosby's point, there are times when supporters have to take control 
and make a statement. And they made a statement to David Sullivan. He opened his checkbook. He fired the overpriced manager with a name that won titles. And he went back and got the guy who saved them up from relegation. And because of it, they're on their way to building something that I bet West Ham supporters feel is like this is like a generational moment for them. Have a player like Declan Rice to be where they are on the table. And it doesn't look like it's stopping. They're making smart purchases, smart sales. Like, you know, it's a good time to be a West Ham supporter. And uh, I hope they finish the job off. I don't think they're going to. So, I mean, Liverpool versus West Ham in the Super Cup. Not asking the same rings, but you know what I mean? But we'll take it. I'd be more than happy with that. You want to talk about an all-England final, I'd be fine with. (laughs) It isn't playing those dirtbags from Chelsea and having to watch Frank Lampard get overexcited on the sidelines as they scored that goal. (laughs) I was never so happy when Adrian saved that penalty because it just meant that Frank Lampard didn't get to lift the trophy in the first week as Chelsea manager. Um, So we are going to go to a quick video here now um, from one of our official Liverpool supporters clubs uh, that was nice enough to send us in a video and – it is on the decision for Jurgen making about uh, Kelleher in the League Cup. So we are happy to, to chime in here on the American Scouser podcast. I'm Sean O'Neill, and I'm here with uh, Daz, who used to lead the Baltimore uh, chapter of um, Liverpool, uh, the Liverpool um, chapter in Baltimore. I'm uh, in Delaware. A member of the Delaware uh, Supporters Club, um, and Paul uh, is with us in recording. So we're just going to quickly talk about the topic of uh, Kelleher uh, being given the starting role in the uh, League Cup final, which I think Daz uh, likes to refer to as the Caramel Coffee Cup final. Um, they change it every couple of years. But I think everybody that I know well anyway, I know it's been some topic of discussion on, on Twitter, I I think most people are very, very happy for um, Kelleher to to get this nod. I think it's well-deserved. I don't really even um, think twice too much anymore when he's in, in goal. He's obviously not Allison, but I think he's well-earned it. And, and um, you know, um, I'm happy that he's getting the opportunity. So I, know, I think you thought basically the same thing, right, Des? Well, I, I applaud the move. If, if we like club likes to consider – what he does part of a meritocracy. And if that's the case, he's earned the gloves. Uh, and you have to remember that he did play against Chelsea uh, in the most recent fixture against them. And I think he acquitted himself quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, didn't go our way, but he's a great young, great young keeper. I think he's got a, a, a big future ahead of him. And I think he's earned the, he's earned the right to, to wear the gloves for the, for the final as the uh, skinny Irish kid that the club referred to him as. So I, I applaud it. I, I, Win, lose, or draw. I think it's. I think it's the right move, and it sends a great message to to potential signings in the future that Klopp will give you a chance. And I think that that's that's probably one of the more important aspects of of giving young Kelleher the the gloves. And I think for a cup final, um, you know, this, this would be a, a big opportunity for him. Um, you know, and, and I'm I'm hopeful we'll, we'll win it. At most years, um, you know, it seems like Klopp, and I know for myself, like we don't we don't really pay too much attention to the league cup. Uh, it's sort of an afterthought a lot of the time, but when you get to the semis, you know, we were able to beat Arsenal and, um, you know, the final 
all in for, you know, in, in Liverpool and in the UK, you know, you get a potential trip to Wembley and, you know, so it is kind of fun. Um, I can remember, I don't know if it was the last time we were in the League Cup final, but um, there was, um, we played Chelsea, right? And uh, and Carroll had that goal kind of late to to keep it close. Um, so, um, you know, these these finals are memorable, um, even if the, uh, the, the path there isn't always something that we're up for. Um, and uh, usually, or a lot of the time, the, the backup keeper plays. And so it's not even an unusual thing. So I guess in terms of the controversy, I don't, I don't, I'm not really feeling what the controversy is about. You know, if, if we lose the late cup final, you know, I, I guess I'll be disappointed. It won't be the worst thing in the world though. Um, we do have opportunity to win multiple trophies this year, which would be nice, but um, those are my feelings on it. anything else you want to add Daz? Well, I think that for the most part, when he's been called into action, he's, he's been, he's risen to the task and quite literally against Arsenal, he, he stopped it from going and potentially going in the top bin in the first five minutes and mm-hmm. that free kick by Lacazette. So I think that people are trying to engineer a controversy because it's kind of bedwettery bed, bed to, to me it's that you're going to try and hang a loss on, on, on a keeper. Look, uh, it's, it's, you'd be hard pressed to say that, that, that Alison Beck is not probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. And if you want to win a trophy, you should probably probably put him in there, give you a better opportunity, but how much, how much did he have to do? How much did Keller have to do against, against Arsenal, honestly? And when he did, he was, he, he did it with, did it with a plume. And for someone so young, he's, he's incredibly, he's incredibly cultured. He's very, he's very, he seems, he's not easily flapped. And I think that that'll stand him in good stead. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see him get the gloves and, and see what he does, you know, win, lose or draw. Yeah, and if they if if Chelsea approach it like they did the Champions League final, they'll probably be sitting back in a low block with ten men behind the ball anyway. So uh, hopefully uh, he doesn't really <laughs> doesn't have to face too many shots. So uh, you know, with that, you know, uh, thanks for letting us jump in, and uh, happy to listen to the podcast later. All right, and we thank the guys from the Delaware uh, Supporters Club who submitted that video to us. And to any of the other folks out there that are, um, you know, other official Liverpool Supporters Clubs, if you would like to get involved and have a short video or have a part of our podcast, please check us out on our Facebook groups or at American Scouser on Facebook and message us, and we can see about making that happen. Um, and we have another video that will come up a little later, touching on the same topic, but from our friends down in Tampa uh, that have been involved in the past. So before we went to that video, guys, we talked a little bit about the top of the table. So I thought it would only be fair at this kind of halfway point to take a look at the yes. bottom of the table as well. Um, as I always say, and fish jumped in. And gave a good reminder as we were chatting during the deal. Uh, it's always good to talk about the concept of Everton being relevant. So <laughs> in this segment, we're going to keep just our mindset set on the fact that Everton will be going down. Um, yes. They still don't have a manager. And if they do, I'm sure their their fans hate him, uh, his family, and <laughs> his dog whenever he yeah. moves into town too. Um, but before we get to the blue side, you know, Kazi. Kid from England, 
Yeah. Talk to me about what the actual idea or mentality <laughs> is around being in the relegation zone from your mates, your friends, you know, that you know that have dealt with it. It's it, 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 it's more than I know. It's like listen, we look at it as fans and we get relegated because we're shit. But it's more people lose their jobs, and that's like the sad part of it, because the money stops. Um, it also stops teams, for example, who suck in the NFL or like my Sacramento Kings, who were just trying to lose games towards the end of the NBA season to try and get a draft pick. All that shit stops. Like every single game matters. In effect, it is the worst. I couldn't imagine the worst feeling. I remember that I used to go. All the games went under Roy Hodgson when I was living back in England, and it was just like we were in that. We were we were nineteen, twenty games in. We were like fifteenth in the league, and you're like, we actually might go down here. I remember, I remember losing to Wolves one nil at home. They were bottom of the league, Wolves. On I think it was December the twenty seventh, and I walked out on the seventieth minute. We never had a shot on target, and I walked out on the seventieth minute. I never forget it. I'm not religious at all. I looked up to the sky, going, "Where do we go from here? Like we actually might get relegated," and then. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, like anything of uh, the toffees, to be fair. But no, no, on a serious note, of course, we can all laugh, and when people do lose their jobs, it is massive, it's huge. And teams, for example, like Everton, who have a stadium that they're trying to build, have players on over £100,000 a week getting relegated, you might never come back up for five to ten years. It took Leeds 16 years, Leeds, to come back up. Derby might never come back up, they might cease to exist in the next two months. Um, you know, teams like Coventry who've trying to back the hill to try and get promoted and don't get promoted. So it's nervous times if I was the one club in there, which is Everton because they haven't been in there before. I think Leeds are set if they do go down. I think Brentford are not a up and down more, you know, than a horse knickers, as we say. And then, you know, Newcastle have kind of got the money where they can get back with themselves. Watford, the same. And I think Sean Dice is just Sean Dice and just can grind anything to a halt. So. I mean, the only one club I'd suffer for to not come back up is the the one I do not want to come back up. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you think? Looking at that the that table as it stands now, it is hard with the with the alternate games in hand. You know, it's fun to see Burnley sitting at the bottom, and then you notice they have four or five games in hand, but they are Burnley, so they'll probably draw three of them and get a little bit closer. <laughs> to the um, but I just know what's going to happen. Burnley will find a way to play like Barcelona for three weeks in late April and early May and just break my heart and stay up by one point. And, and it'll just gut me because I basically start every season rooting for two things, Liverpool to win the title and Burnley to lose every match. Um, something about Sean Dyche, I, I, he has the most punchable face on the planet. I also know that if he was in the room with me right now, I would not punch him because he would literally chew my hand off and then probably buy me a beer and talk to me with a really deep voice and, and I'd get all excited about it. So I got to be honest. <laughs> it's like a love-hate relationship with the dice. So where do you see this one going, Fish, and who would you tab for the drop? I I, I have to say, just to, to work off Kazi's point, I, I think relegation – can only be the most demoralizing just thought and demoralizing, you know, possibility for any club. But I, I will preface that with the fact that no club is too big to be relegated. In the past, we've seen the Aston Villas, the Leeds, Nottingham Forest, these, these giant teams at the time 
go down. More recently, you look at Sunderland, Newcastle's been down. I mean, the these teams have 45,000 person stadiums and like Sunderland now is in League 1. I mean, it, it gets worse and worse and that's due to their payroll that that was a Premier League payroll and just went demoralized and you look at Everton and and you the, the teams that are coming to Goodison are saying, "Man, we're taking three points from here," and and that's the reality. And it does not matter if it's Liverpool or if it's Norwich City; they are Pretty looking, good, they are smelling blood. And and the fact is, is that I for them, for example, I don't see it getting any better. Bef- you know, it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I with obviously with the difference in amount of games played, that table's just skewed. I think each team down there knows that it can play better than recently it has. Um, a few talking points can be Watford. The fact that they have 17 managers a season definitely isn't good for their ability to play, even though they have some real quality attacking talent on that team. Um, I think Norwich City getting getting Dean Smith was very good for them, but again, is their quality as a as a squad good enough to be in the Premier League? I don't think so. And then obviously these billionaires in Newcastle all of a sudden that have the money to build a squad, but can they build it in five months to keep them up? I don't think they can. Um, it it will be tight. If I had to pick three teams right now, realistically, I would pick Norwich, Newcastle, and Watford. But I will say that Everton are going to be damn close. And as a Liverpool fan, that brings that brings joy to me. For for the city of Liverpool, I don't know the ramifications for it, but but obviously they are they are going to be close to that. No, I, and I think it's it's a perfect segue. This actually takes us to a comment that just came in. And, you know, for those on the podcast, I both want to see Everton relegated and also don't because the banter between LFC and Poppy supporters is golden. And, and, I'll, and we're going to wrap this up as we kind of give our final relegation ideas. But I'm going to toss this one to Kazi because in our Discord channel, and for those of you who see the bottom um, banner here, please, you know, follow our links or ask for an invite. We'd love to have you join our um, community. But, you know, Kazi, you've been vocal about this, that the Everton matches, the Everton derbies are bigger than United. They're bigger than City. They're bigger than a Champions League night, right, on a Tuesday. Like, they're a big, big deal. And what would we lose if they were relegated? Other than the fun of, you know, giving the stick and knowing they went down. Would you know? Would it be better, or would it be bad for the pubs, for the for the patrons, for the people who need the jobs, for what you're talking about for the city that I'm I'm pretty sure you yeah. love that you grew up? Yeah. I mean, yes, in that sense, yes. Liverpool lose six points. That's the start. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's. But I think it's more, and Everton have to really press with this. We would lose a lot. Don't get me wrong, but Everton have to have to go down. Everton have been knocking on this door for a long time, by the way. Everton have been shining after shining for five, six years, now knocking on the door. And this, it screams of Aston Villa when, when, when they went down, when Remy Gard took over for like two months. This is what this Pereira looks like. He looks like their Remy Gard kind of manager. Um, let's get this right towards Everton, right? And I study Everton more than I study Liverpool. They've won one game out of 13. They won the first four or something like that, right? 
which kind of got them the points that they're on now. They've won one game out of 13, and we expect Everton to go and win six, seven games towards the end of the season. I just I cannot, I can't see it. And people keep telling me that Calvin Lewin's back and the Charleston's back. That's fine. But if you can't keep the ball from going in the other net, you can have <laughs> Pele and Maradona, but you've got to be able to defend. The issue, and Everton, again, have been knocking on this door. Everton, for me, will get relegated. And I'm not just saying that as a biased thing. I just don't see. And the reason the reason I say that, all the other teams around them were all expected to fight relegation. And they've all been there. And they all know what it's like to like be down there and learn how to struggle. Everton have not. And it's been bad decision after bad decision. And it's it's catching up. It's been 500 million in six years. They have yeah. two sellable players. And that's the two strikers. That's it. The rest of them they don't want to sell. Literally, it's getting to the stage where you get well, people are saying 60 million for Calvert Lewin, maybe 50 million for the Charleston, and the rest are probably worth about 60 bucks between them. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I just and I'm not sorry for me, like being like biased or like being bitten and things. I'm being, like genuinely looking at the squad. Yeah, the best way I can put it is, like, as you just said before, brilliantly, sides are going there and expecting three points. So, you said Wofford put five past them. This Wofford side, one of the worst sides I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> like apart from the strikers, of course, the rest of yeah. the average, you know, Brighton, Brighton go there and score three. Brighton, are, I think the two, two, two or three nil up. I think Brighton go, and you're yeah. thinking to yourself, "Hang on a minute, Norwich." We all agree that Norwich is one of the worst sides in the league. They're two nil up inside twenty minutes. Like, what are you telling them in the dressing room? At least you know where's your leaders, where's your Michael Keane, where's your Allen? Allen's played Champions League football. Michael Keane's been at Man United. Yeti Mean has been at Barcelona. Where are you grabbing these lads and going, what the fuck are you, what are you doing? Yeah, Kaji, you know, that's a great point. I mean, great, great point. The, the fact that they haven't been in that relegation mentality before, mm-hmm. and it's terrifying. And I don't see the characters on that team to dig your cleats in and, and go and get a game and, and get points to keep them up there. Yeah, I don't exactly. see it. Let's- that that's been my big thing with with a lot of these teams. Like everyone, I I know it's it's easy to poke fun at the Newcastle and the money owners and all this. I, I think the business they've done has been the best they could do. They brought in a striker who scores goals in the Premier League and hurt the direct rival. They brought in an international level fullback for twelve million bucks that was in Champions League quarterfinal last year, and the manager tried to keep it at Madrid. They like Trippier in Madrid, which is crazy because he's got we talk about a punchable face from Burnley. <laughs> Kieran Trippier it holds that role all day. Um you just I, I feel like the, the business they've done has been okay. I thought even getting Eddie Howe, not a world beating manager, and he probably will get the sack in the summer when he keeps him up. That's how the, the, the princes, you know, they won't cut his head off, but they will, you know, just relieve him of his duties and give him a nice golden parachute on the way out. But that's fine. All they need to do is stay up. Their job is staying up. If they can stay up for five months, then they can invest in the squad. I keep arguing with people in the Discord about the buys they're having. They're like, well, they're not long-term purchases. This is a five-month job. Yes. Survival. And and if they stay up, and I think they will. I I think Newcastle is the team I have the most confidence figuring it out. Mm -hmm. You can almost see it in their play recently. Um, One, two defenders, and I think they, they come across it. Um, I think the team that I'm worried about a little that I love is Brentford because they're actually sinking like a stone right now. Um, They haven't picked up a point in a while. They keep dropping and they have a hard run. And I just feel like it could snowball for them where quickly they realize 
like Watford and Norwich, they are championship sides except for strikers. Yeah. Like all they have are strikers, but the problem is the strikers, they win you 10 points a year. Yeah. It's the 10 points your keeper wins you and those other 20 points you need the rest of the team to get mm-hmm. that keep you up at the old 40 points. And now you don't even need 40. So um, we have one more short video to jump into from our friends in Tampa. Then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some transfers and we're going to wrap this thing up. Fire. Hey, it's David from Tampa Bay Cop Talk. I'm here with Andrew, my co-host. Uh, what's going on, Andrew? Uh, it's good. It's good. It's all right. It's all right. I'm recovered. Um, as of this recording, though, Sadio Money has a concussion. He's in the hospital. I don't need that for my nerves, but we move on. Well, I'm not talking about international breaks. Won't do it. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, don't. Let's not do that. Let's talk about something more exciting. Um, yeah. So Liverpool makes the League Cup final. And in, it took like, what, two days for Klopp to say that Cleveland Kelleher is going to start in the final. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for this kid. What do you think? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, he, he's impressed me, you know, in every game he's been in. I don't think he's put a foot wrong. I, I like his – he's brave on the ball as well. So he's obviously, you know, learning from Allison and learning from that coaching staff. You know, you could argue that, like, I'm okay with everything as long as he doesn't pull a Kepa and, like, refuse to come off for a penalty shootout. If Klopp says that, but we all know he's got a good head on his shoulders, so that won't happen. I I have no ifs and buts about it at the moment. I have no you know qualms about it. However, that being said, ultimately I would feel better if my boy Ali was back there and everything would be fine. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, we would you know, but he deserves it at the end of the day. He does. I think for me, it bothers me when coaches, you know, they go through the whole league cup with this with the kids, and they're the ones that get the team to the final. And they get to the final, and they go with their straight up Premier League eleven. It's like, what is the reward for the kids? Like, you got to give them that that opportunity, and it's a good opportunity for them to learn how to win things. And you know, for Kelleher, I've been nothing but impressed by his his play. Like, you mentioned, he's cool on the ball. Like his passing out of the back, he just doesn't – nothing panics him. It, it's almost like a little Allison Jr., but he's also had some incredible moments with saves. I mean, in the Chelsea match, right, when we're missing Allison because of COVID, and Trent basically gives them an opportunity right in their box, and he sees it away. So, like, you know, we, I think you, he shows the experience. He's got the shot-stopping ability. He won the match against Leicester on penalties with his saves. So, yeah, like all around, kid deserves it. I'm happy for him. And I hope he's not the only kid that plays the league. Not kid, but like younger guy that plays the league cup. I'd like to see somebody like a Curtis Jones maybe get us a chance. Uh, you know, he's coming right along in his Liverpool career. And for him to be on the pitch for a final would be a great experience. So, yeah. like, I think there's a couple of candidates within the squad that, you know, could see minutes or maybe even start in that final. Yeah, no, there's definitely opportunities. And to your point, that's like great man management. I mean, what the hell? It's like, what the hell am I working so hard for if I can't make it to the final? And I mean, I mean, I'm not a professional athlete, so I don't know how I would take it. But at the same time, you know, I would I can understand Klopp going either way in terms of rewarding the kids that got you there, so to speak. And then obviously going with your tried and trusted. Um, But that being said, obviously over the moon for this guy. Um, I try to watch him and like, you know, take things off of him for our for our Sunday league team. It's not really working out, but hey, I can only try. <laughs> if you can get his left foot, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, that would be beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, that's it for us. Uh, see you next time.
See you next time. Bye. Thank you again to our friends at uh, Tampa Bay Top Talk for helping us out with that uh, video and uh, their submission and their thoughts. So I guess everybody is comfortable with Allie and Goal uh, or Kelleher and Goal and Allie on the bench. Everyone but everyone but Bickler, which basically <laughs> means that ultimately everyone might be right. Um, so I thought we'd talk about transfers and then realize there really isn't a reason to do a whole hour on that when we're talking about Liverpool. But if Adam thought that we were going to get through an American Scouser podcast without uh, talking about the impending news of this man's transfer, <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't about to put up a picture of him running down the wing. I wasn't going to put up a picture of baby oil being applied. I mean, if we're going to show why the man was bought, we should show why the man was bought. I mean, look at that arm. I mean, really. He's an absolute god, isn't he? I might pay 30 million. I might pay 30 million for that bicep, but I wouldn't be able to carry the title of built like a 15 year old unless there was a 15 year old on the planet built like that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah. Talk to Kazi. Tell us I about mean, your boy. You know what, right? I this is kind of like took on a world of its own. And I can't, I'm glad I kind of get a chance to explain it. I think he does loads for Liverpool. And, I, and hear me out. I don't think there's an answer to the argument of if you're chasing a game, is he a more dangerous sub? Because I don't believe he is. As a sub, I'm not saying I want him to start over Salah or Matt. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, as a, is he a, for me, is he a better option than Origi? Yes. Is he a better option than Taki? Most definitely, right? So it's these kind of, and when I was when the the, the fee was getting touted twenty million, my argument was I don't think I can think of a better player to sign for under under twenty million quid or around that I think, because what he also does for Liverpool, which people kind of forget, he play he used to play right back, so he can also do a second job right back. If you're going to do Nico Williams for fifteen twenty, I'd rather have Traore over Nico Williams because Traore does me four or five different spots and Nico can do me one, so. There's, a, there's parts in games when Liverpool, for example, are two on up in games and not drawing games 2-2, um, where you can go 15 minutes to go to Traore. What's my job, Gaffer? Get the ball and run that way. <laughs> I give our defenders 45 seconds just to get the breath. Hold them up, win a foul. I'm not asking them to come in and replace our front three. Do you know what I mean? And I understand completely why Conte wants them. Because he plays a back three. He will be a fantastic wing-back for anyone. And I just thought... Of all our options off the bench, even when we're fully fit, I don't think there's a better. I don't think there was a better option for twenty million quid for than Adam Traore. And people can sit there and go, "What is end product and all this?" I'm not asking to start football games to Liverpool Football Club. <laughs> I do not want him to come on and score hat tricks unless he can. I'm asking him to win the ball out the field and get us up the pitch in certain moments. And if Liverpool want to be the complete side, Liverpool need players like that. Liverpool, you know, we want all options, don't we? We want that kind of a player for that kind of option. You know what I mean? You've seen some of our, for example, our League Cup sides this year. You know, we put Kay Gordon in there, 17, and he might have a high ceiling. If Traore was at Liverpool, Traore starts that game. He's not playing He's not playing Kay Gordon. You know what I mean? He's not playing like, you know, for example, I know it's a bit different, but Conor Bradley played right back against Preston. It's that kind of thing where he, he would have played them. So, my big loving from Traore... It's just more of an option player and not him to come in and start games for Liverpool unless it's a League Cup game or certain moments. 
Totally fair. And and you knew you knew there was zero you brought him up yourself. So there's zero <laughs> chance I could get through yeah. an entire podcast hosting you and not bring it up. And just because <laughs> it's fun to look at, we're gonna look at it again. <laughs> what exactly what exactly was your thought process behind behind the process? Like it, what is what is your thought? Because I know you've had some opinions on on Triori on his game. I, I think Do you understand I, the transfer to Barcelona. Do you understand what Spurs were thinking, where Kazi's coming from? What are your thoughts? On the I fully, I fully agree with Kazi. I, I think that in terms of a player to bring off the bench, I think there's nobody obviously as dynamic, as strong. I mean, look at that bicep. The, the man is chiseled, right? He's a god. What a god. But are we going to pay 20 million quid for somebody to sit on the bench for 75 minutes a game? That that's probably are you are we capable of paying that much money when we barely will pay that much money for a starter? So it's one of those things that financially I don't see that being the case. Uh, Spurs Conte obviously would love that sort of player right now. They just decided to bring Daugherty into the squad after missing the entire beginning of the season. Um, where he's been, have no idea. So Adama obviously would be a great idea for that. Why Barcelona think that he is going to save their season, I have no clue. Mm. That man has digressed from the La Masia of, you know, Barcelona so far and away. It is a different style of play that he has from anything that they want or want to strive towards Barcelona, that that is going backwards. They continuously make poor decisions and I am all for it. Let them make their decisions. He does, I will say he looks to me a Premier League player. Like he left Barcelona as a youth player. They, you know, well, I mean, let's be honest. He looks like a bleeping middle linebacker and he <laughs> be playing for the Bears. Like that's what he looks like. Uh, he just happens to play right wing. Um, but he looks to me like a Premier League player. I do feel like he should have, I, I wish he had gone to Spurs. I think he could have done a job at Spurs. I think he could have done a job at West Ham. I think he could have helped a lot of clubs in the Premier League. And to Kazi's point, he might have been able to help Liverpool. I don't know that he would have fit just because I don't know that Jurgen would ever – because, again, we've talked about this, and this is a topic for another podcast, not for one with one minute to go. You know, his inability or unwillingness to tactically break from his plan – he doesn't like to change tactics. Maybe. He yeah. really doesn't like, and we, we this is a podcast in itself. I don't know that he likes a wild card player. He likes mm-hmm. like, it almost is like he likes a template of players yeah. and he likes like 14 of them total. And then he like figures out a way not to play the other three that he really likes. And he just tells mm-hmm. you how much he likes them and he doesn't play them. Um, but we are wrapping up. But one thing I thought was funny earlier in the podcast that made me chuckle was when when Kazi brought up how Ferguson would tell a 40-year-old player like Giggs, you know, you're starting in three weeks and you get his body right. And I couldn't agree with you more. His man management skills was his number one attribute. Um, up there with judging talent, to be fair, he found a lot of great players. But what blows my mind is, is all I can imagine is clock walking up to Millie and being like, hey, buddy, I just want you to know, you're not fucking starting. But you got seven minutes in a yellow card. You get ready. And I figure Milner looks up around 65, 70 minutes. 
and literally just like scratches his chin and is like, is it two minutes or three minutes till I just bleep and take somebody out from the side? Because in his mind, he wakes up every game day thinking like, who is the son of a bitch getting eaten by a 36-year-old in better shape than him? And I, I, I genuinely like, I'll miss it when he's not there. But I also can't wait till he's not there because it means our, our side has progressed to the point where, like, there's not a 36-year-old passenger that, like, a babysitter that teaches guys how to run right and do healthy things. Like, it, it will be an improvement for our club, but it will be so sad for the idea that you won't get that look and the angry post that we all have the moment he's about to sub in. Because we're like, oh, oh no, oh. And then literally he clears someone out and we all put like smiling, laughing faces because we were like, oh, I lost the over-under. It was only a minute and a half. Yeah. I think it's it. So, I think with Milner, the last thing I want to say on him is that I think he must have looked at the Chelsea game when we drew 2-2 when he was starting, but Kaita was on the bench, even though Kaita was going to AFCON. And he must have looked and went, really? So now I need to play more fucking games? Are you serious? I am 36? You've got that kid there who's going away for three weeks? Like, what? what are you doing to me? Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and not only that, I got to do this in the middle of the park when you set us up to get overrun by Chelsea's midfield. Like, I got to do this with these guys? Like, and literally, like, after after uh, um, Kovacic hits the worldie, hmm. the look on Milner's face, he almost looks at the camera like, I know you're all fucking blaming me because I am too, but I had no choice. I'm 36 years old. I had to take him down. And we're all like, no, you really didn't. But he did because he thought the guy was going to get to the byline and then they scored a goal and he'd be the go to the Ka- reason. And Ka- that's why on the bench. Kite is there on the bench going, I'm going to AFCON next week, lads. My flight's leaving in a minute. Mendy, Sadio, get your stuff. We're off. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, well, we're not going to touch on AFCON other than um, obviously we'll congratulate Mo for moving on. Um, big penalty make by him, obviously, sends his side through. And, and good for him. He gets, you know, a lot of stick for Egypt not doing well. I'd rather him back this week and then be out of the tournament. Hopefully, Sadio is healing up well. Some For some reason, there's two people in the world who don't have to worry about concussions. Tom Brady's trainer and everybody at AFCON. It's basically <laughs> the concussions don't exist in Africa. The temperature must take it off the planet. Um, but, you know, they'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. Uh, Monday night, we'll have a, a, a little bit more of a recap show, and we'll preview getting ready for the FA Cup matches coming up. Hopefully, we'll get some of these uh, rescheduled Premier League matches put on the calendar so we'll all have extra footy in our worlds uh, that we didn't know was there, which is always a good sign. I want to thank Kazi for joining us on his lunch hour from California. Uh, Fish. Thank you for jumping on with us as always. And for all of our listeners, please like, share, um, you know, comment, invite people to check out the podcast as we continue to do them. Join our Discord channel uh, and check out the content on the website. And if you have feedback for us, please share it with us as we are here to be, you know, the American voice for the LFC supporter here within the United States. And we're hoping to create that community. Uh, and we want your feedback on how we can make it better. So um, for the three of us, thank you all for listening and have a great night. Cheers, lads. Take care. Thank you.